Hey folks, welcome to episode number three of Josh's Worst Nightmare Podcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I am your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we have Lindsay King Miller. Lindsay's fiction has been published in Denver Horror Collective's Terror at 5280 anthology, The Fiends in the Furrows, Tiny Nightmares, and elsewhere. So welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Podcast, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and um, cool to, you know, cool to get a chance to chat with you since you're doing so much for Denver Horror. And I too am a person of Denver Horror. Exactly. Well, that's where you first came on my radar. You submitted mm -hmm. a, an awesome story about a creepy and amusement park to our terror at 5280 Colorado based horror fiction. So everything yes. is horror authors from Colorado. All stories take place in Colorado. I know that. I, I can't remember if you do you mention the exact name of the place. or do you I did not place? say it because I honestly just wasn't sure, like legally. I, I don't know if it would be okay to say where, but it's it's very, I think, obviously based on Lakeside Amusement Park and yeah. on an attraction that used to be there. Um, and which I do actually, the the setup of my story is that the that attraction is in one of the maintenance tunnels under the park now. And I do have it on fairly good authority that that's true, although I can't prove it. That's so awesome. So folks, you need to pick up Tara at 5280 to read Lindsay's story. But yeah, I know that uh, lakeside pretty well. It's an old speedway. There were some weird accidents there. And I used to live really close to that in my gym oh, nice. right around the corner. And it's nice. a creepy place. And it is. So I think there are two stories in Tara at 5280 that are set at lakeside, aren't there? Three. Because it's just yep. one of the creepiest places imaginable. Yeah, we had to do two. One is about the Speedway specifically, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, yours. So yeah. that's great. The other one of yours that I read, I've read three stories of yours thus far. The other one, I'm oh. honestly saying it's one of my favorite stories in one of my favorite anthologies, Fiends oh in the Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, your story is phenomenal. It's a folk horror anthology, folks. So check that out. Uh, they actually have two, I believe it's Nose Touch Press. Nose they Touch have Press, yeah. Two out. And that one is my favorite. And yeah, I'm not going to give anything away, but it's about trees. Yes. Yeah, let's go with that. It's about trees. It's beautiful and horrifying. And I was super pleased to see that same tone and atmosphere in the story you recently submitted to a, another publication that I'm editing, The Jewish Book of Horror. You submitted yes. a really horrifying tale about Sukkot, which is the Jewish holiday of the harvest. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal story, and I'm super psyched to be publishing that. Thank you. I'm really excited about that one, too. I'm very, very much looking forward to that anthology. Yeah, it should be a good one. So at Josh's Worst Nightmare, we talk about biological horror, and I yes. ask all the authors who are coming on to give me a topic that's in some way relevant to their writing, tying into the world of biological horror, which is a pretty broad brush. Basically, living creatures, vital processes is the definition I'm using. So pretty mm -hmm. much anything you want fits into there. And what was the topic you decided on, Lindsay? I asked if we could talk about insects, because I think insects are really scary and amazing. So what makes you care about insects? Like what actually resonates with you? What frightens you about bugs? What is it? Well, something that I really am interested in exploring in my writing, and it's come up in several stories, um, both that I've had published and that um, haven't found a home yet, 
Um, I'm really interested in just mapping um, insect behaviors onto humans, like just looking at these things that happen in the insect world that are part of their normal life cycle and saying, wouldn't it be really scary and upsetting if humans did this? So um, I have one story that came out earlier this year in Dark Moon Digest, the perpetual motion machine um, magazine um, that is called Necrophorus, which is uh, digging beetles. Um, and what they do is they lay their eggs in corpses. And then um, when the eggs hatch, the beetle larvae eat the dead animal flesh um, and kind of like chew their way out, basically, which is, very, you know, that's a, a normal thing that happens in nature. Feeding on feeding on death is part of the life cycle of all kinds of living things. But I just thought, wouldn't that be so interesting and upsetting if humans reproduce that way. So I wrote this little story and it's in Dark Moon Digest. Um, and I, I just think it's so interesting to look at other other life forms and um, and you know what they eat, how they reproduce, how they um, how they mate, how they all of these things and extrapolating that onto humans um, because it's it's so easy to find the inspiration in the natural world. There are so many things going on that um, when you think about them from a human point of view seem really strange and scary. Um, and you know, that's the, the, the classical definition of the grotesque is combining human elements with animal or plant features, right? There's like just something that we viscerally find really upsetting about anything that is part human and part animal. So I really like to just combine those like human human um, characters, but then insect behaviors. And it's really creepy. I love that. So you're saying that humans don't reproduce by laying eggs in dead bodies? Did I miss? Usually that? not, usually oh. not. Has <laughs> oops, oops. No wonder right, my right. no wonder my exes were so upset with me. Okay, so <laughs> all right. Well, that makes so sense. then the so then the other thing is that I'm really interested in looking at um, reproduction. And the story that you talked about um, the from the fiends and the furrows is about a lesbian couple um, trying to have a baby, and they explore some strange options. Um, in trying to pursue that goal. And so that's something that's really interesting to me too. I'm a queer person in a reproductively incompatible relationship. And so a lot of my, um, a lot of my stories actually explore reproduction and, and the inability to reproduce infertility, um, what kinds of things uh, people do to become parents, to stay parents. Um, so that again is something that I find really interesting in the insect world. Um, you know, there's, I haven't written about this yet, but I'm sure I will at some point, there's a species of beetles that have these heat sensing organs and they can sense forest fires from miles away. And so what they do is they fly to where a forest fire has recently been and they lay their eggs in the burned wood. And that's part of their life cycle. You know, the forest fire is a, is an integral part of their ability to reproduce. Um, so that connection between death and new life, um, the sort of the, the biological urge, I guess, to procreate 
and all of the ways that that manifests in the natural world that are very, very different from what we're used to in the human world. Um, I'm really kind of entranced by that. Yeah, well, that is fascinating. And I'm somebody who's studied a lot of forest ecology and mm -hmm. a lot of people do think oh, wildfires are just terrible for the forest, which are actually essential. And that's another right. example of how mm -hmm. that whole web ties together web, which is another insect thing. Yeah. Right? Spiders. Yeah. I don't know if it, spiders yeah. count as insects, but on, on this like, podcast, they do. Like they're, yeah. Yeah. Let's count spiders. <laughs> We're not being scientific here. This is yeah. about the, you know, the visceral reaction. So mm -hmm. yeah, the idea of fertility, I mean, insects tend to be able to reproduce a lot. That tends to be right. their MO basically to just mm -hmm. put out a lot out there as opposed right. to humans, which tend to, you know, we have like one or two, you know, a twins mm -hmm. is a rare kind of occurrence. So that's a fascinating thing to explore. Right. Right. And, and just the sheer number of offspring also is one of those things that if you think about it in human terms is really very unsettling, you know, like you think about spiders who have dozens of babies and carry all the little baby spiderlings on their backs <laughs> at a time. And I actually use that image in the story about the digging beetles. Um, like what if there were just a bunch of tiny human babies all climbing on you at once like what if i had like 30 babies climbing on me that would be so freaky <laughs> yes yes that would well see that's why i love so much about the biological horror stuff it's like all you got to do is look into nature and you'll have yeah. endless endless elements of horror and sometimes it can be beautiful but a lot of mm -hmm. times it's really creepy because and insects are i mean they're alien right they're they have these exoskeletons yeah. they're the, almost the mm -hmm. opposite of humans so I think anytime you bring those elements together, like you said, with the concept of grotesque, which I hadn't really thought of that actual connection, but that makes sense. And that's mm -hmm. what's sort of disturbing to us. It's not quite human, yeah. not quite this yeah. other thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just I just feel like you almost never need to, you almost never need to make anything up as a horror writer, because there's so much freaky shit already out there in nature. You know, um, have you read or seen The Girl with All the Gifts? No. No. Oh my gosh. It's okay. It's really good. It's a great book and a great movie. Um, but it's based on a real thing, which is sometimes um, referred to as the zombie fungus. Oh, I know. About um, that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So ants get this fungus and they climb to a top of a tree and basically kill themselves so that the fungus can release its spores from their head and, and scatter them to the wind. So um, this writer, God, I'm blanking on the name. Carrie, M. M. R. Carrie, maybe. Um, yeah, let's say the writer's name is M. R. Carrie, and uh, if that is not right, then maybe you can edit this. So <laughs> but um, but they just took that and and applied. They, what if cordyceps? That's the zombie. That's the name of the zombie fungus. Is cordyceps, as I'm as you know. Um, what if cordyceps mutated, and started um, infecting humans? And so it's this awesome, you know, zombie apocalypse story um, that's fully inspired by something out of the natural world. Mm -hmm. Two of my favorite things. So insects yep. and fungus. It's, uh -huh. yeah, well, they do call it the zombie ant sort of thing. They refer yeah. to them as zombies and it's a mm -hmm. creepy, creepy thing. It literally takes over their brain and makes them behave in ways that the fungus wants just to reproduce. It's, mm -hmm. it's one of the most crazy things that and it's just like a normal normal day in the forest <laughs> mm -hmm. they just walk over the spores and then they get infected and it 
it takes their brains over and kills them. And one thing that I think is fascinating about that is that other ants can tell and they carry the infected ant away from the colony so that it won't spread the virus. And I just think that's, I thought that was so funny when I found that out because I have some friends that I have a zombie pact with (laughs) that's like in the zombie apocalypse, if you get bit, I promise to kill you. (laughs) And, And it's like ants have that too. That's, that's a good thing. So what, how do you know for sure if your friend is a zombie, though, and not just sick? Do you have any tests? Well, I mean, if, there, if, there's, if you're in the zombie apocalypse and you've got bite marks, I just think you got you to gotta decapitate first and ask questions later. I think that's actually a good way of going about things. So yeah. I do endorse yeah. that. And so that's cool. That the Everybody, ants, don't you say yeah. the ants are really cool, that they're actually going to mm-hmm. take care of the rest of their... Yeah. Exactly. Their hive. And Mm -hmm. we could learn from that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta the the needs the needs of the many. Yeah. Well, I mean with COVID, of course, we don't want to put people on top of stalks of grass (laughs) and expect them. Nothing like that. That would be nice. But yeah. Still, we could learn from that. Now, I know you mentioned something about moths before, I believe. Yes. So that's I I don't I don't know. Um so this this is a story that actually is is coming out sometime soon in the periodical Forlorn. Um, it was actually supposed to publish today, June first, the day that we're recording this, um, and then they just announced that it would be delayed a little bit. So I'm not sure when it's going to be out or if it'll be released by the time the podcast goes live. But um, it's uh, it's a little femme fatale vampire story. Um, inspired by moths that drink the tears of birds. So there are these moths that have, you know, the, the little proboscis that, um, you know, like with, with butterflies, they unroll their proboscis, their little straw tongue, and stick it into the center of a flower to drink out the nectar. Well, these moths stick it into the tear ducts huh. of these birds. They fly right up to a bird's eye and they'll um, just kind of just kind of, hey, I, can I just real quick and um, stick their proboscis in their tear ducts and drink their tears, oh. which is really freaky to me. <laughs> I read about that and was like, it's sweet. God, in a way, why? Though. Yeah. It's almost beautiful though. So you uh-huh. turn that into a horror story though? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What if, what if there was, uh, you know, a human or human-esque thing who, whose natural food source was human tears? Nice. How, yeah. how might they go about acquiring that? So that'll be uh, that's that story is called Salt Lick, and it should be out in um, the periodical Forlorn uh, sometime soon, probably, cool. or possibly is already out at the time right. that people right. are listening to this. Could be. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. I'll definitely check that one out. Oh, Thank you. I love anything like that. So, in general, do bugs creep you out? Are you indifferent? What's your take on bugs? Actually, so this is, I think this is kind of funny. I am really mellow with bugs. They don't bother me Mm -hmm. pretty much at all. Um, Spiders don't really bother me. I'm not, I'm not that concerned about them. Um, The thing that I am scared of is the thing that I have never yet written about, which is wasps. I have, I have never yet found a way to write about wasps. And I think that's because I find them so upsetting just the concept that like I can't come up with a scary story about wasps like if I was trying to say something about wasps that was scary I would just be like 
oh shit, there's a wasp. Yeah. That to me is so terrifying. <laughs> Just the concept of a wasp, like being in the same room as me. So I don't, I have never yet, like, I feel like I should be able to channel that fear into writing, but, um, but I haven't really figured out how to do it yet. So is it the fact that they can keep stinging you forever? They're weird little yeah, bodies. I stepped, I stepped on a wasp's nest once when I was 16 and I got stung. I fortunately was wearing a long sleeve shirt, but I got stung all over my hands mm -hmm. and my fingers just swelled up like with venom, you know, like they, I just looked like I had a bouquet of hot dogs <laughs> at the end of my arm for like days afterward. And it was, it was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. So ever since then, I've just been terrified of wasps. Yeah, that's fair. I really... I really don't like them. And plus, you know, if you kill a wasp, it releases a pheromone that tells other wasps to fuck you up. <laughs> like if you're, if you kill a wasp, then it like marks you with its scent. And then other wasps are like, that's a wasp killer. Get them. Whoa. That is mean of them. That's so mean. I didn't that, know and that. Maybe that's, maybe that's the angle. Maybe that's yeah. the thing that I could use to, to, turn wasps into a horror story of some kind that could be used for good very right? vindictive yeah I mean, totally like, you know if there's murderers out there but yeah i got stung by a wasp once and it definitely mm -hmm. hurts a lot more than a bee sting it just yeah. lingers and lingers yeah. uh-huh i don't recommend it yeah it's wild they're mean and they also they lay eggs in weird ways too i i can't recall specifics yes. but oh man they've got some good ones there are some i mean there are a lot of different ones but there's a wasp that has parasitic larvae that it lays in some kind of beetles, I want to say. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly, but um, they they lay the eggs. The When the larvae hatch, they, so the beetle is still alive. They lay the eggs, the larvae hatch, they begin to eat the beetle's brain. <laughs> um, they like paralyze it. So it's, it can't move, but it's still alive and they eat, they eat its body from the inside. Okay. Yeah. I just found it is in caterpillars. Oh, caterpillars. Okay. Yeah. It's one of the things that they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They call them hyperparasitoids, which is a yeah. weird word. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, good, good on yeah. them. I mean, they're just trying yeah. to survive. They're being yeah, innovative. I've Right. They're just, they're just trying to, to, to give their babies a good life. Right. Which is, is one of my, one of my fascinations in horror. It's like, how far would you go? How far would you go for your children? If you had to, if, if your children needed to live inside of a caterpillar and eat its brain to survive, you know, maybe, maybe you would do that. Maybe you'd go feel, for it. I feel like that's a fair thing to, I mean, it's, it's definitely a real, uh, when your child is born, you can tell them all these things that you did for them. And that's, that would definitely instill a lot of gratitude. I think, yeah. child. So that's the yeah. thing. So I, yeah, have, I have one. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I have a story that I haven't sold yet. That's, that's gone through the, the merry-go-round of rejections quite a lot of times, but it's based on the fact that there are certain kinds of spiders, um, where the spiderlings eat the mother. Oh, wow. That's and sacrifice, literally. It, it is. And it's so fascinating to me. Obviously, you know, they're spiders. They don't have like a conscious decision-making process. <laughs> but the mother spiders, when the um, 
when the spiderlings get, you know, to the appropriate age, this, the mother spider there, these are web, web weaving spiders. The mother um, shakes the web to like get the baby's attention and it activates their predatory impulse. And then they all pile onto the mother and um, bite her, inject her with venom and eat her body. And she just, you know, she starts this process. The mother huh. is the one who triggers the process by which she is eaten alive. And that's, you know, that's her instinct. And then that's how, that's how the babies learn how to, that's, that's their first meal. Wow. And that's how they learn how to be predators. That's probably pretty traumatic for them. That's their first, <laughs> the first meal is your mother. I mean, right. we drink mother's milk, but that's uh -huh. to the next but it level. Usually doesn't, usually isn't fatal. No which would be an interesting yeah. story as well. Yeah, so that's the, so I have a story that's based on that, that's based on like, if that was the kind of sacrifice oh. that you had to make so your children could survive, you know? Wow, that's so cool. I love would that. You be able, would you be able to consciously do that? Yep. Or would yeah. you refuse? Yeah, so you're definitely into insects. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I'm personally, I don't mind insects. Like I'm not, a, I'm not squeamish around insects mm. and anything like that. But two insects I'm not a huge fan of, and I'm curious your take on this. So number one, let's start with this one, bed bugs. What are your thoughts on bed bugs? Um, I've never had bed bugs. Me neither, so I luckily. Don't, I, God, knock on wood. Knock yeah, on wood. No. Um, So I don't have like, I don't have personal experience with them. I definitely find the thought of them off-putting I would not want to like party with one yeah but they don't they don't make my they don't like make my skin crawl the way uh -huh. just the idea of wasps does that's fair well but the thing is about bed bugs is they're completely harmless you know they don't they can draw your blood they're yeah they drink not, blood but, but, they, in a, they but in a chill way you know barely at all they anesthetize mm -hmm. you really nicely it's mm -hmm. not a big deal and they don't spread disease so it's interesting how people are so freaked out about but i think it's because they come into your house and they are hard to get rid of so my closest right. experience is i was just at some motel once actually when i moved into colorado and i won't mention the place and i did find one there and i was oh, like yeah. oh, it's time to leave and it, they didn't yeah come with me they didn't stow away or anything like that mm -hmm. but it's funny like i could have centipedes crawling on me i don't oh care god about... okay centipedes are also not okay with me you don't I like don't... those i, I don't, don't like care centipedes. About them. really like well they have ones you know the ones that are red that will sting you i guess <laughs> yeah but also there are some like centipedes there are some huge centipedes in the world they're like <laughs> yeah. in the amazon there are centipedes that are big enough to eat bats those are cool which is just that's that's not that's not right yeah Okay. It's, it is kind of obscene, but yeah, personally, I don't mind those. But the other thing mm -hmm. that I, so I don't mind ticks. I actually don't care about ticks, but the Lyme disease carrying tick, because I come from Lyme yeah. disease capital back in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So I've had ticks on me out here. I don't, I'm uh -huh. like, oh, I have a tick. I don't care. I got one in Utah. Right. I don't care because I'm like, they don't have Lyme disease or the dog, right. tick, whatever. But what do you think about uh -huh. ticks, Lyme disease? What do you think about that? I mean, that's definitely like part of the thing that's scary about bugs, right? Is the idea that they can, that they can carry disease. They can infect you. Mosquitoes can, can give you diseases. Ticks can give you diseases. Um, right. So that's like, they're this foreign, this foreign thing that can 
almost like invade your body without you knowing it and infect you in some way. So that's definitely, I think that's really like kind of fundamental to what makes insects scary is, and it's, and it's also the idea that they can attack you without you noticing. Like the idea that something could bite you, you know, if, if a, I don't know if a dog bit me. Obviously, I don't want that to happen. That's scary. But I would see a dog coming toward me. I could run away from it. But just like something so small that it could that it could, you know, crawl under my clothes or like be on me right now and I wouldn't know about it and it could bite me and I could get sick. Like that's so that I think that really like violates our sense of like bodily safety. Yeah. In a really interesting way. Yeah, no, I think you're you're right on with that. Like a snake, I'm not afraid of rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there it is. Mm-hmm. It, it either bites me or I don't. You know, like or a bear. <laughs> like right. I didn't get attacked by a bear. I'm in my car now. I'm not worried. Oh, it's the bear uh-huh. on my leg. But the right, tick right. can hang out with you and be infecting you. Later. They're almost like uh-huh. ghosts in a sense. Like they're just yeah. hovering around. You don't even know if they're there. Yeah, Seriously. yeah, they yeah. can stow away on you stow away and give you disease. I think that's mm-hmm. a really good point. I had written a story yeah. about bed bugs, vamp, the vampire bed bug connection. Oh, nice. So obvious, but yeah, uh-huh. that's, that's, uh, that's something that I wrote basically was, well, I won't give anything away, but it's, it's called drain and it ties into the whole bed bug. It was based on my little experience mm-hmm. just seeing one bed bug. I'm such a wuss, yeah. but you know, it, <laughs> it stuck in my mind and made me want to yeah. research it a little bit more and uh-huh. get into that stuff. But yeah, the ticks themselves, like I don't care about a bug, but Lyme disease, it's this right. debilitating disease. It's awful. Right. right. And you can't, you know, you can't know. Right. You can't, you can't look at an, at an insect and say you're safe or you're not safe. I think that's really the heart of why insects, one of the reasons insects are so scary to us, mm-hmm. other than their inhumanity, their proliferation, and the fact that they'll sneak inside of us and uh-huh. we could have one. Yeah, we could have all sorts of bugs inside of us right now. And right. We wouldn't right. know. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and also like we do in, <laughs> in, in fundamental way, you know, not, not sure. ticks and mosquitoes, but like we have mites, like, I'm sorry to, to remind you of this because I freak out whenever I think about it, but we have mites crawling in our eyelashes right now, every, you know, every second of the day we are, we are colonized by all of these like microscopic life forms Mm -hmm. that we can't see and that we don't fully understand. Like that's so strange. There are all these things living on us and we don't really know. We don't know that much about them. Really. We don't, Mm -hmm know a lot about how those microorganisms affect us but they're there probably for a reason in a sense mm-hmm. it's kind of beautiful we're this ecosystem this walking yeah. ecosystem and they're a part of us we're a part of them i think a lot of what i try to write in my horror i definitely want to freak people out but i also want people to realize yeah. we're it's kind of all okay you know to a certain degree yeah. so yeah mites in our eyelashes they don't really mm-hmm. hurt us. They may be right. doing all sorts of beneficial things. Right. Like, so it's we're right. alive. They're alive. You know, we're we're one in the same. So yeah, I think we should. Yeah, just and that's and that's what I that's what I like. That's what I like to do in my horror too. When I all, all of the stuff inspired by insects that I've written, I'm I'm really trying to write, you know, things that are just trying to live. Right. that are just trying to live their natural life cycle, but it happens to be at cross purposes 
with our human life cycles and needs, you know, yeah. and how do those, how do those conflicts resolve when no one's really in the wrong? It's Absolutely. just different kinds of life trying to survive. Yep. And they've been doing it for longer than humans have. So we could maybe yeah. take a few clues from what they're doing. Yeah. You know what they're That's doing. Very they're, true. they're uh very successful and and we humans uh we, we have uh, issues that we still haven't, we yeah. haven't been able to resolve and maybe we can yeah. learn from this insect kingdom. So I think that's the moral of the story, right? Yeah. And there, I mean, all signs point to them being around long after we are. Well, that's what they say, right? The cockroaches yeah. are going to be the uh -huh. only thing that's left. And that sounds so terrible, but maybe that's a beautiful. I, I kind of, I kind of think that's awesome. <laughs> I kind of think it's awesome to think that, you know, long long after all of us are gone there will still be life there will still be life on this planet and it might look very very strange to us and it might be something we wouldn't even recognize as life but it'll it'll continue to exist i, I think that. that's i think that's inspiring you know a lot of people yeah. think that's dark i i don't but uh it's been life great finds to a way. it's been great to have you but i want to ask where can folks find your stuff and oh, what are you God. working on right now I'm currently working on, uh, I have a collection of short stories that is actually the working title is They Eat the Mother, because <laughs> um, it's all a lot of horror having to do with reproduction and parenthood and um, children and scary children. I really like scary children. Um, I hope that my kids don't read my stuff and, and <laughs> think that it is like a reflection on them. My children are not terrifying monsters. I just like to write about terrifying monster children. It's a separate... Yeah whatever. So I'm, I'm working on a collection of short stories. I don't know when or how it will make its way into the world, but I hope that someday it will. Um, in the near future, I've got uh, the story coming out in um, the periodical Forlorn. I've got a science fiction horror piece um, that also kind of ties into the biological horror um, coming out in Planet Scum this summer. And then I have a piece coming out in the Jewish Book of Horror, I believe available this Hanukkah. Yes. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yep. And if folks want to look you up online, is there a way? Oh, yeah. Um, I am on Twitter at Ask a Queer Chick, A S K A Q U E E R C H I C K. Um, and I, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, that's the main. I also have an Instagram, but it's not really, it's just my cat. That's hey, man. <laughs> people are into that. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Lindsay King Miller, for coming on the Josh's Worst Nightmare podcast and talking to me about insects. I've learned a lot. I had a lot of fun, and it's been thank great. you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. This has been great. All right. Well, you take care. All right. You too. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great and sometimes disturbing weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, 
Moline from D&T Publishing. You can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.